Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's going to be the main text today. But if you notice on the back of your bulletin, there are all the passages that I want you to look at, consider this morning, as I consider a question. And that question is simply this, is it better not to be a Christian? Is it it better not to be a Christian? Let's pray. Lord, thank you this morning for your grace to us. Thank you, Lord, for the music that we can joyfully sing before you because we do have something to celebrate today. We do have the truth from the Word of God and from historic reality that you have risen from the grave. You defeat it with no one. No one could defeat. You have accomplished a victory that no warfare commander could have accomplished you have won the battle and all lord is left is for those who are sinners to put their trust and faith in you i pray lord that would be the case that you would strengthen us who know you and that you would just continue to build your church so it's strong in these days not to give up the truth but to hold fast to it. And so I pray, Lord, this morning for your grace and mercy upon us. And I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So is it better not to be a Christian? If we already answered the question, then I need to define really what a biblical Christian is. Biblical Christian is someone who has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have come under the convicting and regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, they've come to grips with the problem of their own personal sin. They have taken seriously what God said in the Word of God about the only remedy for their sin, and that's Jesus Christ. They have also wholeheartedly submitted to those terms, obtaining by faith and repentance God's provision for sin, Jesus Christ. And then after that, if they have time to live, and usually God gives us time to live, they exhibit in their daily life evidence of that repentance and faith in Christ. In other words, they become a new creature, and a fruit-bearing child of God. So, in those terms, it is good to be a Christian. But, getting back to my first question, is it better not to be a Christian? Actually, the answer to that question is yes. If Christ is not raised from the grave. In other words... Again, a Christian is a person who has confessed that he or she is a sinner and honestly and wholeheartedly believes that the Lord Jesus Christ was virgin-born, lived a sinless life, and died in the place of sinners and rose from the grave, defeating our greatest enemy, death. 
A Christian is a person who has repented of their sins and turned to the Father's only solution for their sin problem, and that is Jesus Christ. So they confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. But if you notice in Romans chapter 10 in your bulletin, I want you to notice what it says there. This is a very important passage of Scripture. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. In that passage of Scripture, what is important is it says, why is it important to believe this, that God has raised him from the dead? It's important for someone to believe that. It's because the resurrection is the culminating and crowning point of all God has accomplished in Jesus Christ. In other words, if there is no resurrection, there is no salvation. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary to become the sinless man. He lived a sinless life and died that he could pay the price of death that God has put on that God has put upon sin after he died and satisfied the demands of a righteous God for our sin he rose from the grave with our salvation complete so there's no other way to be saved from sin and its penalty which is eternal hell as the scripture does affirm in acts 4 12 and there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men which we must be saved and then also in john 3 18 he who believes in him is not judged he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god so in reality if there is no resurrection that still there is still a judgment because there's still god so resurrection or not believing it or let's say it didn't even happen if that didn't happen there's still a judgment because god is still just and must hold people responsible for their sin he is a just god the resurrection is proof that god God's just demands were satisfied by the death of his son. Now, let me move to the main text uh, this morning on this Lord's Day morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you cannot find it in your Bible, it is recorded in the back of your bulletin. I would like you to look at it because there are six things that is in this passage of Scripture that would make Christians hopeless fools unless the resurrection of Christ is absolutely true. As some have concluded in Paul's time, it says in verse number 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 15, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ 
has been raised. Now that, that becomes a very significant point in what Paul is bringing across in this passage of Scripture to his audience at that time and his Corinthian audience. He says, listen, if Christ is not raised, then he comes up with six things. In verse number 14, he says, the first thing is that all proclamation, all preaching is in vain. That means it's all foolish and totally useless, all the preaching that we have ever done. All Christian preachers during the thousand years of Christian history, even Noah, who was a preacher of righteousness, was just a big windbag, along with all the prophets and apostles and all the preachers of the gospel. If Christ be not risen from the dead, our preaching is in vain. A second thing in verse number 14 is that Christians' faith is in vain. Christians' faith, believing in what God had done in their behalf, would be empty. The confidence of millions who have died as martyrs at the hands of evil men who hate was useless. That Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets, and all the apostles, and for that matter, all the saints, including you and I, and all who come after us, that believing in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was just a big leap in the dark in which we just splatter on the ground and believing just amounts to nothing if Christ be not risen from the dead. And not only that, the third thing he says is that Christians would be liars. He says, moreover, verse 15, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. See, they are false witnesses. We are false witnesses every time we praise God. Every time we enter into a church to hear preaching, we are real, or tell somebody of salvation in Christ or offer salvation, we are actually showing ourselves as liars if Christ be not raised from the dead. A fourth thing, and maybe the most devastating of all, in verse 17, notice what it says. You're still in your sins. Christ has not raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Now this one is significant and takes some fleshing out. That there means there's no redemption, there is no salvation, there's no forgiveness, there's no hope. If Christ be not raised from the dead, in fact, there is only one way to die if Christ has not risen from the grave. And how is that? Well, if you look on... In the Word of God, in John chapter 8, verse 21 and 24, and on the bulletin, it says simply this. Then he said again to them, John 8, 21, I go away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. And verse 24, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sin. The only way to die, if Christ has not risen from the grave, is in your sin. Sin. Now what does it mean that you are going to die in your sins? It means that you are going to die as you are with all your past 
and present sins attached to you, like a heavy weight pulling you down, utter helplessness comes over you. It further means that the person doesn't know what's happening to them. They are dying in their sins. They are dying as they live. They are dying in ignorance. They are dying lost. It means that the person lived a physical life for things and for themselves, but they have no value to him at death. All he lived for is nothing. Utter helplessness surrounds the person when they are dying in their sins. If there is no resurrection, then there is still judgment and hell. So the person realizes as they're dying in their sin, they suddenly feel the guilt before the Maker, before their God, and become aware that they are responsible for every word, every thought, every deed that they have ever done before the eyes of God. All his life, he has suppressed the truth and has not listened to his conscience, has not lived according to uh, the standard of God, but has lived according to his likes and desires and passions and sinful nature without regard to God and the ultimate standard of truth. He is dying in his sin and One who dies in their sin dies alone with no one to plead their case. Why? No one's risen. No one to rescue them from condemnation. No one to rescue him from the condemnation of his own sin that brings wrath, the wrath of God, and now he's shut out from all that is good. He bears His just punishment alone with no advocate. Haven't you noticed that there is an attitude today that thinks that there will be no judgment? That there will be no accounting of one's life before a sovereign judge? But no matter what people think, the scriptures have given sufficient warning that there will be a judgment And that judgment, in that judgment, the distinction between what is hidden and what is public and private collapses. Everything is made open before the eyes of the one in whom we have to do. See, judgment is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. The person dying in their sin also knows they're unfit for the presence of a holy and a just God. They are unfit for the beauty of pure glory. They are unfit for heaven. They cannot enter into heaven. They are dying in their sin, unprepared, ignorant, surrounded by them, and that they will... It will be their unpleasant darkness for all eternity because they are dying in their sin. If there is no resurrection, there's only one way to die. A fifth thing in our text in verse number 18 is that Christians have died, Christians who have died are perished. 
It says, and, the, and those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That means that they are not in heaven where there is no sickness or sorrow or pain if Christ be not risen from the dead. And the sixth thing he says this, listen, if Christ is not risen from the dead, then the people that should be the most pitied, the people that should be the most miserable are Christians. He says, if you have hope in Christ in this life only, we are all men most to be pitied. It's not the vile of the vile that we should pity. It's not the lowest of the lowest that we should pity. It's not the poorest of the poorest that we should pity. But Christians should be pitied the most if Christ be not risen from the dead. But Christians, look at verse number 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 20. So, well, verse number 32, it says this. 1 Corinthians 15, 32. The best that we can do in life is this. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what does it profit me? If the dead are not raised, let's eat, let's drink. Why? Tomorrow we die. It doesn't even say here in our text. Be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. If the dead are not raised, what else is there to do? Right? Eat, enjoy yourself, enjoy all the food you like. Drink to your heart's delight. Right? Do what you want to do. Live your life the way you want to do it. Because ultimately, even if you do that, you will die. And you will die in your sin. The resurrection, though, is the best established fact of antiquity. Most people do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those who don't really have no support for their opinion. Most of the time is because they really don't examine the evidence. Did you know that the Christian faith is the only evidential and historical religion in the world. The Bible, the Bible never calls us to blind faith. It calls us to faith in evidence. Blind faith is without evidence. The Bible calls us, as it says in Acts chapter 1, verse number 3, to infallible proofs that all these proofs are able to stand up against any criticism. In fact, this is what it actually says in Acts 1.3. It says, To these he also presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. But there was this man. His name was Dr. Simon Greenleaf. Dr. Simon Greenleaf was more qualified to examine such evidence than any man who ever lived. He was a royal professor of law at Harvard University and was declared by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States to be the greatest authority on legal evidence who ever lived. 
He was the highest authority on evidence that could, that could be quoted in the English-speaking courtroom in the world. After writing many volumes on the laws of legal evidences, he decided to turn his searchlight on the knowledge of his knowledge and ability to sift the true from the false toward the evidence of the resurrection. He minutely examined every thread of evidence concerning the resurrection of Christ and concluded, in any unbiased courtroom in the world, if the evidence for the resurrection of Christ were presented, it would be adjudged to be an absolute historical fact. That was the opinion of the greatest authority on evidence that the world has ever known, Dr. Simon Greenleaf of Harvard University. Now, saying all that, if you notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 20, see, is it better not to be a Christian? Yes, if Christ be not raised from the dead, but the glorious truth is in verse number 20, but now Christ has raised from the dead the first fruits of those who are asleep. See, Christ is actually the first of a great harvest of resurrection. And all those who believe in him will be part of that harvest. As a seed is put in the ground and dies, and we experience this time of year a miracle every time we look at a flower. A flower, a seed goes in the ground, and it dies before it actually comes to life again. And the same thing with the resurrection body, that it must die first, and then it comes Alive, Christ being the first fruits of all those who believe in him that will rise from the grave also. So, if I reverse all the six things, I would have to say this, and this is the point Paul is making is that, listen, Christian preaching is not in vain, it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek because Christ has been raised from the dead. Also, the Christian faith is not vain. It is faith that has its object in God who has told us the truth, how to be made right with Him. They are made righteous by faith. Romans tells us for it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Our faith is not in vain because Christ has risen from the dead. Also that Christ, Christians are not liars. They are no longer children of the real liar, Satan. They are people who speak the truth in love and are bearers of the light of the gospel. They are not going to be the ones included in Revelation where when they're shut out from the presence of God where it says in Revelation, but for who are shut out from the presence of God for the coward and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, there will be part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death. Why? Because Christ has risen from the grave. And then fourthly, Christians are no longer in their sins. 
Christians do not die in their sins. In fact, because of the resurrection, there's another way to die. Thank the Lord for that. What is the other way? Well, back to John chapter 8, verse 24, and then Revelation 14, 3. What is the other way to die? It says, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Right, verse uh, Revelation 14, 13. And I have heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. What's the other way to die? It's to die in the Lord, not in your sin. Christians die in the Lord. That means they have been cleansed and forgiven of all their sins because of the complete and finished work of Christ. Why is that? Because Christ is risen from the dead. And so those who die in Christ, the second death has no power. What does that, what this means is that damnation or the second death shall have no power over those who are part of being raised from the dead because they believed in Christ. Well, saints are no longer guilty of sin. Yes, they have sinned like everyone else and were by nature children of wrath, but their sins have been lifted from them. The Lord Jesus Christ, their substitute, has carried all their guilt and iniquity and has taken it completely away. It shall never be found against them forever. They wear their Savior's righteousness and have been washed in His blood and are made completely clean they are now at peace with God. See, either you die in your sin or you die in the Lord who's taking care of your sin. Yes, for those who die in Christ, the fiery destruction of the flames of the lake of fire and damnation can not ever cringe their clothing or even make them smell like they have walked through the flames because they are in Christ. Nothing can overcome them ever again. They have died in the Lord. A fifth thing is this, that Christians... who have died do not merely perish. Those who are in Christ have defeated their greatest enemy, death. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To live is to live for Christ. To die is to have gain. They have eternal life. Why? Because Christ has risen from the dead. And also, sickly, that Christians now living are not all people most to be miserable. They are not people the most to be pitied. They are people who are most thankful, are most prayerful, are most joyful because they have put their trust in the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because Christ has risen from the dead. As 1 Peter tells us, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory. See, Christians are happy and filled with joy because they see their Savior, Jesus Christ. They know what it says in 1 John. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him because 
We will see him just as he is. We will see Jesus again because of the resurrection. That Christian's death ushers them actually into the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that Christians are fit for glory. We are the true citizens of the kingdom of God in the Philippians Chapter 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is better, is it better not to be a Christian? Well, the answer is yes, if Christ be not risen from the dead. But in, 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 in either way, it's really no at the end, because if you die in your sin, the future is not a joyful one. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who sleep. And look in your bulletin, because look at the rest of the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15.20. And I want you to follow with me. It says in verse number 20, I just read that, in verse number 21, for since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Then look down to verse number 51 of 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed, for the perishable must put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the Lord. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the Lord is risen. That Jesus' resurrection, which was a divine act involving all the three persons of the Godhead, was not just the resuscitation of the ruined physical frame that was taken down from the cross for burial. It was rather a transformation of Jesus' humanity that enabled him to appear, to vanish, and to move unseen from one location to another. It was the creative renewing of his original body, the body that now is fully glorified and deathless, that Christianity rests on the certainty of Jesus' resurrection as a time and space occurrence in history. That all four Gospels highlighted. That the historical books of Acts insist upon it. That Paul regarded the resurrection an indisputable proof of the message 
of Jesus Christ as judge and savior, that Jesus' resurrection demonstrated his victory over death, his victory over Satan, it vindicated his righteousness, it indicated his divine identity, it led him on to ascension and enthronement and his personal heavenly reign. It guarantees the believer present forgiveness and justification and it is the basis of the resurrection life in Christ for the believer here, now, and forever that Jesus Christ is risen. He was, He is, and He will always be. He is the God who keeps the universe from crumbling into dust. He is the God who was the victor for the kings. He is the God who's gave power to David's sling. He is the God of Abraham. He is the God who understands. He is the God who is our strength when we have none. He is the God who is living, the only one. He is the God who is and will always be the risen Lamb of God. That's who He is. So see, if you are a believer then the resurrection is a fact. It is something that we look forward to. It is our hope. If you are not a believer, then you will die in your sin. But you don't have to. And you don't have to because Christ has taken care of our sin. He's taken care of it on the cross. He's paid the condemnation. He's satisfied the justice of the Father. He has done everything that he needs to be done in order for someone to be saved. And what we need to do is, by repentance and faith, turn from our sin, our unbelief, and believe and trust in Christ as our Lord and Savior. See, we're to believe that God has raised him from the dead and we will be saved. Resurrection is key to understanding and being saved. If you have not yet come to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today should be the day. And if you haven't been living for the Lord and you claim to be a believer, today is a day to change that. To start walking with the Lord. To examine first if you ever became a believer in the first place. And then to trust in Christ alone, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, and believe in Him and follow Him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, because he is the God, the Lamb of God who has been risen from the grave and we who know Him will see Him face to face. And believe me, that is truth. My preaching this morning is not in vain. Understand that? It's true. It's more true than anything because God has said it. This is not something I came up with last night when I was sleeping. This is something that's been in the Word of God the whole time. So I pray this morning, however God's going to use the thoughts and the message this morning, the word of God, examine yourself. Where do you stand with the Lord? Are you really a believer? And if not, today is the day to ask someone to show you the gospel so you can turn from your unbelief and turn to Christ so Christ can save you. He's the only one who could save you cannot save yourself. No one else could save you. Politics won't save you. Governments won't save you. Demons won't save you. Spirits won't save you. You, 
No one else can save you. Your family can't save you. The church can't save you. But Jesus Christ can save you. And I pray today would be a day you really think about that. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, today, this morning, I do give you praise, Lord, for all that you've done, for all that you've accomplished. I praise you, Lord, because your name is higher than any name. That your work has been accomplished forever. Never again do you have to die on a cross. Never again do you have to accomplish what you did that day historically. And what you accomplished eternally on the cross never has to be done again. Thank you, Lord, for all the work that you completed on the cross. Thank you that you have paid the condemnation of sin. Thank you, Lord, that you satisfy the justice of God. Thank you, Lord, that you offer to us salvation by faith. That that faith is in all the complete work of Christ. And I pray, Lord, you would grant by your spirit faith and repentance to those as a gift. I pray that you would grant us who know you as Lord and Savior to live with the resurrection power you've given us now so, Lord, our life can adorn the gospel. Our life can be a life that is pleasing to you. And I pray it would be also a life that it continually grows in faith and hope that someday (coughs) our anticipation is we will see you face to face. And Lord, keep us going with that. I pray in Christ's name, amen.